बोल भक्त वृंद की जाए बोल प्रेम आनंदे हरि मॉर्निंग एवरीवन सो वी गैदर्ड दिस मॉर्निंग ऑन द डे ऑफ आवर सेलिब्रेशन ऑफ चैतन्य महापुरुष पेरेंट्स एंड वी विल डिस्कस something about him and his uh contribution this morning and later uh, after the also in the context uh, of the discussion we'll uh give the harinam initiation and um then be followed by artik and prasadam and then there'll be an abhishek sacred bath for the deities at 3:30 Mm-hmm. Follow along with that with Kirtan, and uh, then at four thirty, we have a formal lecture as well, and then another artik and the feasts. This will culminate our um, celebrations for this weekend. So nice to be with all of you, and um, it's. notable that the appearance of chaitanya mahaprabhu was heralded um auspiciously by the uh, holy names of bhagwan most of you know the, the the history as it's recorded in a number of uh sacred texts as i've said before chaitanya mahaprabhu was um in 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 the in the mix of his associates there were many um is that right many educated people and uh writers poets musicians and so forth um and so they in 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 no small measure they put to verse and prose and in music um the accounts of his uh extraordinary uh life activities and uh and on in some instances also interwove with that the uh theology and philosophy that that uh underlies his ecstasy and explains um something about it locates it as i've said before on the sacred uh uh the map of the sacred text the sacred texts are like a map for us and we have a map and we have the guide the guru both uh go together and um so the goswamis they were the founding acharyas of the sampradaya and they as i say often located the ecstasy and persona of chaitanya mahaprabhu on the, the sacred map and identified it with the ecstasy of uh radha in her love for krishna hmm? or extraordinary um event then hmm? um appearing in a sense radha and krishna combined krishna in the mood of radha and as we heard this morning in west bengal hmm? 
where the Ganges meets the ocean. So at the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's appearance, this was the very near the, the end of the 15th century. This probably uh, has, um, corresponds with the Renaissance in, in Europe, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So while uh, the, uh, the Renaissance was kind of a departure from faith, I think it was the beginning of uh, unhinging philosophy from from revelation and um, many material achievements were uh, resulted from that but meanwhile in India Chaitanya Mahabhu was involved in a revival himself of what of of faith, faith is the way. It is said that Nityananda Prabhu uh, gave away the holy name for only the price of one's faith. Faith, shraddha, is the uh, uh, is the, all that one needs to, in terms of eligibility, to tread the path. That means to say that faith is required in anything that we do. In the Gita, Krishna has explained that a person is his or her faith. Hmm. Um, what our what our convictions are, we act accordingly, and we may be identified by. Um, so, fine. However, the point being here that with regard to other paths within the Hindu world, and it certainly could be said about other spiritual paths as well. Um, and other material paths, while you need some conviction in them, in their efficacy or their importance, as may be the case, um, you also need some other talents or abilities. Or, For example, um, there are a number of qualifications for Ashtanga Yoga, a number of qualifications for entering the, 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 the Gyan Marg or the Karma Marg. Faith is included. You can't get around that, but if for Bhakti... Krishna Bhakti, the Krishna Bhakti of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Uttam Bhakti, as Rupa Goswami mm-hmm. described it and defined it. It's simply the price of your faith. Nothing from this side has any power unto itself. However, we may qualify ourselves from this side, mentally, intellectually, physically, that has no purchasing power for real estate in a land where there, there's no death. Mm. So and so, we should understand as well that while faith is the animating principle hmm, in life, if you don't have faith, you, you can't go forward with whatever your endeavor may be, um, whatever the course may be. Um, in this case, we're speaking about Divine faith. So it's something coming from the other side. Pujapad Sridhar Marsh, beautifully and poetically, which is characteristic of him, his, his poetic expressions of uh, in, in English, um, uh, described the Paravyom, the Tripad Vibhuti, the, however you want to call it, this, this, the spiritual dimension, to uh, as uh, uh, planets of faith. We live in a world of doubt, 
as I say, no doubt about that. We have doubts. <laughs> and, um, and that causes some hesitation. But we want to live in a land where there's no hesitation, where we can move freely, like you might as a child at home, with faith in your protectors, your maintainers, and so forth. And so you don't question what they ask you to do until you start to grow up <laughs> and have doubts. So, planets of faith, the world of faith, if there's a world of doubt, as there no doubt is, then doubt is absence of faith. And uh, so there must be a land of faith. So from that world, there's faith in the Gita, Krishna explains there's faith uh, in the different modes of nature. There's rajasic, tamasic faith, sattvic faith, rajasic faith. And uh, he doesn't say it there, but of course it's implied. But later, in the Uddhava Gita, which is found within the Bhagavatam, which is the parallel, really, of the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna spoke to Arjuna, the Kshatriya, in the Mahabharata, in what's called the Bhagavad Gita, which, which makes the Mahabharata worth reading. Without the, we take the Bhagavad Gita out, um, then you'll remain in the material world. <laughs> Maybe a better material life, but, uh, but uh, the Gita seeks to take the readers who, in Mahabharata, by the time the Gita is spoken, are on the edge of their seats as it's now time for the battle that's been building up and building up and, and so forth. And while everyone is fully attentive, Krishna speaks about uh, transcendental life. Um, but later in the Bhagavad Krishna gives a discourse, uh, enlightens, we should say, Uddhava, the Brahman Uddhava, his, his uh, counselor in, in Dwarka, very dear to him, as of course is Arjuna in Bhagavad Gita, but because he's speaking to a Brahmin rather than a Chatriya, it comes out a little differently, but it's quite similar. Hmm? So these two Gitas, songs, the Uddhava Gita, the Bhagavad Gita, they're very similar. And so, for example, while in the Gita Krishna speaks of different types of faith in response to Arjuna's question, hmm? um, that... Um, in the Bhagavatam, he goes on and he says that there is faith in the three modes of nature, and then there's faith in me. Hmm. And that is or nirgun, shraddha, transcendental faith. So this is the kind of faith that, um, that gives us eligibility to tread the path. And where does it come from? Hmm. It comes from the planets of faith, from the world of faith. It's descending. Hmm. So it's a holy, our course, our path is a holy spiritual path because that which um, it, 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 it takes us as a means of conveyance, if you will, to the spiritual world must itself be spiritual as well. Now, we may spiritualize other instruments, ingredients, um, elements, um, Aspects of our present uh, uh, situation, searching for the word for it, but tools or something. You know, we have physical, mental, and intellectual aspects of our material self, which, as we heard last night, are insufficient uh, unto themselves. They're part of the problem. They are a 
the manifestation of our karma, and karma is the binding force. So, be difficult to, to uh, rely upon them for our release, if you will. Hmm? Um, but they can be employed and should be and uh, uh, rise, if you will, to the occasion to be uh, utilized by faith. Hmm? That is, as I say, coming from the other side. So this what gives us eligibility to tread the path. It's a, it's a simple thing in a sense because there's nothing else that's required, but then in order to get that, we need sadhusanga. That's not going to come from our minds. It's not going to come from our physical prowess or, or our mental intellectual uh, ability and so forth. Hmm? We call this avarohapanta, a descending method. Hmm? And as much wisdom to that as I say, but just, just, just explained, for going to the spiritual, the spiritual realm, you need a spiritual vehicle. Hmm? So that vehicle is the divine faith by which the sadhus are moving. Hmm? It is, as I say, faith, the animating principle in the world. Um, and so they are the sadhus animated by that faith. The Mahatmanastumampartadaivimprakritimashrita. They are under the influence of, a, of a, the, the spiritual, daivimprakritim means spiritual energy, the surup shakti, moving in the world. Who? Mahatma, great souls. Hmm. And, um, and, uh, and that then, uh, uh, in one sense, we want to say that the gradation uh, or the ladder of progress in bhakti is, in one sense, a development of faith, deeper and deeper faith. And faith means experience. It, it, it's, it's tangible. It clears doubts. Hmm? It, um, it, uh, uh, it's different, I want to say, than belief. Belief, as I'm speaking about it, would refer to an intellectual affair. And faith is an affair of the of the heart that transcends the limited vehicle of of intellect, and so the sadhu's heart, who is uh, filled with faith and moving freely in the, in in um, within the spiritual uh, parameters, touches others in the world with faith, and that. Influence of bhakti is, is always in the world. Hmm? We are all under the influence of karma, but by good fortune we can come in touch with the influence of bhakti. And when we come in touch with the influence of bhakti, uttam bhakti, hmm? then we will start to, we will acquire some sympathy for bhakti, some tendency for bhakti, very subtly, unknowingly even. Just like you don't have to know that fire is hot to be burnt by touching it. So by touching bhakti, we'll be affected, although we may not feel it immediately. But it's a powerful, powerful influence. It has the power to uh, not only to arrest our karma and put it aside in terms of that which we are due to reap, having sown, but also that which we are already reaping. 
It can cure the common cold. Which is thought, once it starts, well, you just have to wait it out. I just give that as an example. The point being that, well, well, um, ignorance is the source of our our problem. It manifests as as karma, and eradicating the ignorance will will end any further action that accrues a material reaction. But what about the reactions we're already experiencing? Knowledge unto itself can't do anything about that. This is the excellence of bhakti, that it has the power to even um, eradicate, deal with, um, diminish, and do away with altogether, ultimately, the, the manifest karma, the prabhda karma, special power of bhakti. So a very powerful um, influence. Therefore, a little contact with that. Therefore, it said, sadhu sangha, sadhu sangha, sarva lava matra, sadhu sangha, sarva And many statements like this. This is from the Chaitanya Shirtamrita in the Bengali of Krishna. So little association, sadhu sangha, sadhu sangha, sarva All the shastras say that uh, uh, a moment's association with the sadhu that can change our lives. So, this is the fact for us, whether, where and how and when that all began. It's hard to say. We can think about it in this life, but there may be also beginning another life. And that unknowing contact with bhakti has a result. It results in further contact with bhakti, wherein, in due course, one with some knowledge of what bhakti entails and involves one participates in it hmm? and from unknowingly being involved to knowingly partial knowing of what it's about being involved and and participating to what we call shraddha it's like if you take a seed and you put it in the ground and you come out every day nothing's happening nothing's happening hmm? but something is happening underneath the ground. The seed is germinating, roots are coming out. This is like the unknown and partially known aspects of the progress of, uh, in terms of participation in bhakti. And then one day it's popped above the ground. It's visible, it's prominent, it makes a statement. So the shraddha is like this, this stage. Obviously, it has a prior stage, as I'm speaking about, that is a, that is that is involves sadhu sangha, hmm? knowingly or unknowingly. Once we have enough of that, that it turns into shraddha, then we go from shraddha to knowingly and consciously seeking and taking advantage of sadhu sangha, hmm? that our faith may where it comes from that will cause it also to flourish now, if we do it knowing. So, if unknowing, and this is one of the points of the verse I cited, this is a little association with sadhus will have a great effect. We shouldn't think, okay, I got a little of that, I'm pretty good. <laughs> that the implication is, what to speak then, if you knowingly, and you take advantage of that, and there's a lot of association. So, it's meant to inspire us in, 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 in that way. Hmm? And so this is uh, what uh, gives us eligibility. Um, um, 
we like to think of love as requiring free will. I suppose it does, but Krishna has exercised his free will through the agency of his sadhus, even when we haven't. And we become marked persons, so to speak. Now, then we have to respond to that freely. And according to how we respond to that willfully, well, it will determine to a large extent the rate of our progress. So, grace is there and effort both, these two things, um, we'll call our progress. So, that said, uh, as I began, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared in the world and his appearance was heralded by the sacred logos, by the divine name, by the arrangement of nature as it's described. This, of course, chanting of the name is the principal method to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's madness, the main uh, practice uh, on the path. Um, faith, faith in what? Faith in, really, in the efficacy of, uh, of Krishnanam and, and bhakti. Bhakti, and within that, kirtan, and we go on from there, the Kali Yuga and the time the, uh, for uh, being such that uh, the chanting is most... Um, most efficacious. Um, but, again, with his appearance, then, prior to the appearance, came the name. The story is, as described by a number of the uh, the uh, biographers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the writers um, in his community, that uh, uh, just at the uh, end of the uh, 15th century, maybe 1486, um, the, after uh, being in the womb of, uh, of Sachi for 13 months, it was a little bit of a problem. You had a long, what is it called, gestation period? 18 days. <laughs> yeah, so it was a concern at that time as well. And, uh, the husband, or excuse me, the father of uh, Sachi was, uh, Nilambar Chakravarti was, was an astrologer, and so he did the astrological chart with regard to the time of conception, hmm? which is also mentioned in Chaitanya Charitamrita, the time of the date of the conception. And then he predicted, oh, he will appear on this day, which is going to be another couple months. <laughs> uh, and it, it would appear that he was waiting for the, all the stars to line up, so to speak, to, to, uh, for, to appear at the most auspicious time, the time that we're celebrating. Of course, it's not accurate, but uh, entirely. It's hard to get accurate because it's, you know, it happened in India at a certain time. It's probably you know, two in the morning here or something like that on the actual day. But at any rate, Something, something about that should be said. We, you know, we celebrate the days and we honor the titis. Titi means the, like the exact time. It's an astrological calculation and so forth. And, but in one sense, these celebrations are, are meant to um, be points of emphasis in the course of our, our practice so that we pay attention more. And, and if we kind of learn a lesson and are attentive, we, we think it, 
It should be like this every day. Once we did a festival, to play out what I'm saying in Los Angeles, um, and there was no occasion, hmm, per se. And Prabhupada was there, and it was in the park. There was chanting all day, and Prabhupada went and witnessed, participated to some extent. And on the way back, one of my godbrothers said to him, Prabhupada, this festival was wonderful. And Prabhupada looked at him and said, every day is wonderful in Krishna's service. So that's the idea. Every day should be a festival. Um, but at any rate, the, the auspicious time um, was uh, ascertained and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared at that time. And at that time, the evening of his appearance appeared at the time of the rising of the full moon. The moon was fully eclipsed. Now, the, um, the eclipse of the moon is, in the Hindu tradition, is thought to be um, inauspicious. The personified shadow of the earth, Rahu, is a malefic planet in the, in the astrological calculations. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, the, the malefic influences may be good from a spiritual point of view, and... Um, Depends where he is in your chart, I suppose, and, uh, and whatnot. But at any rate, he was covering the moon. Hmm? And uh, the way the poetry about this is written, it's very beautiful. And uh, this is, this is and just an example of how uh, the sages in our tradition would personify the world and bring the world poetically to life and make a sacral universe, everything, the sacredness pervaded, and the whole world, as you were talking about looking at the stars, and I was kind of commenting on that last night, to see it from a spiritual perspective, and uh, and um, by connecting it with its source, and so forth. So, so the planet, if you will, the personified shadow of the earth, Rahu, thought that, who does this moon think he is? brightly shining, fully lighting the night, hmm? when, in fact, he has marks on him. He's not, like, fully pure. There's spots on the moon. So if there's spots on a white sheet, you know, you kind of notice the spots. So, of course, it depends who you are. <laughs> but the malefic planet was such, and he noticed the spots. Hmm? But hmm, his thinking was, as, as the poetry goes, that, uh, that therefore, hmm, in light of the fact that the spotless moon of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is appearing, I should cover that moon, hmm, the ordinary moon. So that's the eclipse. So the ordinary moon was covered, hmm, and the moon, the spot, as he sometimes re- poetically referred to or described, the spotless moon, which gives the soothing. Light. Uh, also, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, can be seen as, as the moon, and many of the epithets for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu include the moon Gorchandra, for example, golden moon, and, uh, and so on. The moon has the reflective light. Uh, we talked about it a little bit this morning of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as the sun and Nityananda Prabhu as the moon rising together in, in Krishna Das's most poetic uh, verse, probably in the whole book of Chaitanya Charitamrita, 
This is his uh, namaskar, special namaskar verse where he identifies the deities of his book, Gaur Nityananda. So there he said they appear together like the sun and the moon. He's trying to give some idea of how extraordinary the appearance is if the sun and the moon rose at the same time fully. It would be certainly something to write about. <clears throat> and in that analogy, well, we look at Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as the sun and Nityananda Prabhu as the reflective light of the sun, which is the light of the moon. And um, reflective because he is like only uh, so uh, he fully absorbed in service to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and his light is uh, then the light of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is reflected in him and shared with us. But we can also look at Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as the moon of reflective light, in that he is Bhagwan, God, but he is what in the mood of bhakta of the devotee. And we'll talk about this tonight. It's very interesting and important uh, subject. But the devotee is is the reflective light. In other words, the, the light of the sun of, of God is reflected in the devotee and in a soothing way. Mm-hmm. The moon's rays and the full moon, you can you can take in, you can look at the moon, it's hard to stop looking at the, at the full moon. Mm-hmm. It's hard to look directly at the sun mm-hmm. at noon. It's too powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, the importance of the devotee, hmm? the importance of the guru, Pujapachita Marsh gave a nice example that the you have the lotus and it's seated on the water and taking in the sun, hmm? but it can take the sun because it's seated on the water. Without the water, it would wither. Hmm? So without the guru, with the, in the context of the association of sadhus, the guru, and so forth, then we can get association with Bhagavan, we can understand, hmm? come close. It's, it's, it's a very important point. We'll go into it a little bit tonight, I hope, but uh, in the context of the discussion, but um, the importance of the devotee, the sadhu, Um, in, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism exceeds the importance of Bhagwan, of God. Hmm? It's very peculiar. Mm-hmm. And we talked a little bit about, the, I think yesterday, when we said love of God is difficult to dismiss. God we may dismiss. We don't see him, but we see the example in the sadhu. It's hard to dismiss that. So, so at any rate, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu hmm, is... Bhagwan, but appearing as 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 a bhakta, hmm. and so uh, he is the spotless moon. And Rahu thought, I've got a good excuse now. I've, I've got a theistic excuse for for battling with 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 the moon and and uh, blocking his light out and so forth. Um, meanwhile, the 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 people, the residents of Nabdweep thinking that it was an inauspicious um, moment, they were all taking to an auspicious activity to counteract the inauspiciousness of the eclipse by bathing in the Ganges and chanting the names of God, Hari, Krishna, Ram, so forth. So as I say, the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was preceded by and heralded by the, the chanting 
of the names which he himself, of course, would be the greatest advocate of. Hmm? And also, he advocated in a particular way. Hmm? Um, He uh, virtually uh, distributed a a dharma of the chanting of, of the name, a whole philosophy and theology underlying the chanting and explicitly what to chant in particular, or which names also he has, uh, came from him, from his mouth, and so forth. Hmm. So, um, but at any rate, prior to his appearance, or at the time of his appearance, the area of Nadia was all involved in chanting the holy name, the divine um, logos, and the implications, the, the name and him, the name and in the beginning, it was the Word, and the Word was one, as the Bible says, same same principle. The name is non-different than, than uh, that whom it describes, while at the same time there is a difference. Rupa Goswami in his Namastakam, his eight Astakam verses glorifying the, the Holy Name, has said that the name is non-different. Abhinatvam namanamino. Abhinatvam. It's non-different, the named, from the name. The name is non-different from the named. Hmm? The person who's named, who anyway, the name and the named are one and the same. No difference. But, leave it to us, there's a difference. <laughs> there's no difference, but there's a difference. And the difference is it's the same person, but he, in the form of his name, is in a more magnanimous and uh, generous disposition. So, while we may offend the named Krishna, the name may still come to us. Hmm? And there are nice examples, of course, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, hmm? of uh, such persons offending the person of Bhagavan, and still the name is coming, and uh, and delivering them. So, uh, special dispensation, the name. Hmm? The time which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared in India was a time of of considerable opposition to the uh, what are they called? The Brahmins of the Shankar, Smarta, the Smarta, and uh, Smarta and uh, Brahman and monistic perspective on divinity. Shankar was a powerful acharya. He advocated a monistic notion of transcendence that was world-denying. Hmm? Jaganmitya, what is it? Brahma-satya, Jaganmitya was his sloka, sloka his, his theme song. The world is false, Brahman is real. Hmm? Um, and in that school, you have your uh, religious, you, know, you have mystics, and you have the religious representation of that. So the Brahmins presiding over the religious rites and so forth. And it was thought that um, in order to attain the mukti that uh, Shankar described, one had to take birth as a Brahmin first. And having taken birth as a Brahmin, one had to take sannyas in that life, and then one could attain mukti, which is, in a broad sense, you could have union with with God. Hmm. 
So this distanced the common people, who weren't Brahmins, and they certainly weren't sannyasis, from any possibility of like more immediate sense of connection with God and put considerable um, steps and intermediaries, so to speak, in between. And so there was a kind of a response to that, um, and it was led by a number of um, extraordinary people in, 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 within different traditions in the Indian subcontinent. You have, for example, uh, at the same time, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we have Guru Nyanak, who started the Sikh tradition. If you read the Guru Grantha, it's full of just this advocacy of chanting the names of Ram and Krishna. Hmm? Satnam is one of their, like, Satnam, we say Haribo or Hare Krishna, they say Satnam. Hmm? Um, oh, so he was a big guy. Tukaram, this uh, uh, was uh, Kabir, hmm? same time, more or less. And you can find in his writing uh, the advocacy of chanting the names of God and so forth. So this was is something that's there in the sacred texts, certainly, without a doubt. Um, <laughs> when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was engaged in chanting and dancing in Banaras, hmm, where he, um, which was a center for monism. Hmm, um, he was a sannyasi, and he was chanting and dancing in the streets. And, and the sannyasis there, who were monists, they were taking exception to his behavior. And because their understanding was that the duty and preoccupation of the renunciate would be to study the, the scriptures and um, not to be engaged in singing and dancing, which is emotional, worldly life. Hmm? And so they were thinking he was out of character and doing something unbecoming for the order of sannyas. And it was brought to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's attention, whom they invited in their midst. And ultimately, he came in their midst. And he said to them, when they asked about it, he said, well, actually... I have, have a guru, and my guru told me that I wasn't qualified to study the Vedanta. And he gave me a mantra, and told me to chant it. And so I simply follow my guru. Is that it in your book? Is that part of what you've been reading? You're supposed to do that? Uh, and uh, and and what he told me to chant is the name of Krishna. I think that's mentioned in the book too. I, mean, but I don't I don't know Vedanta, but I you know. <laughs> I think it's mentioned something about Kali Yuga, you know, the, 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 like everywhere in the in the sacred text is mentioned. I don't know how you could have missed that because all you, all you do is study the Vedanta all day long. Hmm? You simply missed that point. Hmm? Anyway, I don't know. You, you you know better than I do. But I took, I followed my guru, hmm? and I think you're supposed to do that. And I've chanted, and this is the result that I have. Hmm? And of course, they couldn't. They were embarrassed and humbled. Hmm? 
and uh, and uh, they they could see that he was reaping a result that was far beyond what they even thought of attaining with their monistic perspective. It's said by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Shrotam Api Upanishadam Dure Harikatamrita. The sounds of the Upanishads like Tattvamasi, Aham Brahmasmi, Neti, Neti, these are the sacred aphorisms. You're supposed to contemplate them. Mananam, contemplate them, turn to meditation on them and so forth. And they reveal their significance. Well, Mahaprabhu said, Shrotam api Upanishadam dure harikatamita. The sounds of the Upanishads, where they can take you, will leave you far, dure, from where you can arrive by harikata, by top, talking about hari, chanting his names and so forth. Kampashu pulakada, he said. All these transformations of ecstasy. He mentions the astasattika bikar, eightfold involuntary transformations of ecstasy that Mahabra was was exhibiting in the, in the, in the highest uh, stages. They had, these will manifest in one or two, if they all at once. That's extraordinary, and, and they do it in to different degrees. And so, in the in the inflamed stage, all of them at once, and so forth. So they. Um, despite their objections, they were attracted, and of course he was able to uh, shed light on the real meaning of the Vedanta, the the, the course for Kali Yuga. Hmm? Um, It is mentioned um, in the Kali Santarana Upanishad, Brahma asks Narada, excuse me, Narada asks Brahma, hmm, how will he will be delivered in Kali Yuga. And Brahma replied, Iti sodasakam namnam kalikalmashanashanam. By these 16 names, three names but arranged in 16, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, that's eight. Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Iti sodasakam namnam kalikalmashanashanam. All the ill effects of Kali Yuga will be removed by the chanting of these 16 names, Sarvabhedeshu Dushite. This is proclaimed throughout the Shastra, throughout the Veda, if you know it, if you studied it comprehensively. Of course, it's said about the Goswamis, Nana Shastra Vicharanaikanapanosa Dharma Samstapakolokanam Hitakarano Tibhuvane Manyo Sharanyakaro Vande Rupa Sanatana Raghu Yogoshi Jiva Gopalako their knowledge of the sacred texts would make the monists of Benares look like preschoolers. Hmm? It was so comprehensive. And the study of it undertaken, Lokanam Hitakarano, hmm? for one reason, Lokanam Hitakarano, for the local, for the people of the world, Hitakarano, out of compassion for the people of the world. Hmm. They took the sacred texts and drew from them hmm, their their essence in what we have in our tradition that we call the bhakti um, shastras. Hmm. It's it's verily what what Nara told Vyas when Vyas had written all the sacred texts and he was still feeling that something I don't know I feel incomplete. 
Narada said, well, you haven't really emphasized bhakti sufficiently. Hmm? So the Srimad Bhagavatam is that book then that made him feel complete. Hmm? Um, and so uh, the Goswami sufficiently emphasized bhakti or showed the emphasis is there if, if you know what you're looking for, if you look at it comprehensively. Hmm? Um, And within bhakti, the chanting of the holy name is is, is particularly um, relative for the times in which we live. Hmm. Rupa Goswami, in his namastakam, referring back to that again, he said also um, that the sounds of the Upanishads, again, they are like precious gems that give off light. Hmm? But if we if we understand them properly, and we follow the sounds or the, the light, excuse me, of the Upanishadic sounds, we'll see that they're all seeking to shed light on one sound of two syllables, Krishna, hmm? and its efficacy. Pujapachita Marsh once described that there is a place in the brain. That if you touch it, the whole body will be paralyzed. It's probably some other places too, but any one place you touch it, and there it is. Something else. so Krishnanam is something like this. It's, it's the essence of all the sacred texts. And Bhagavan Chaitanya, he's, this was his, his, his emphasis. So at that time, he was one amongst many who were advocating the name, and through the name, having direct. Um, Immediacy, uh, in terms of experience, of Bhagavan, without having to go through, become born as a Brahmin, then take sannyas, and and so on and so forth. And that the that the immediacy in terms of experience of of, of God through the name would be more full than um, the monistic sensibilities. At least this we find in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching, which, in some respects. Uh, differentiates his advocacy of Nam, his Nam Dharma, from others at the time who were advocating the efficacy of chanting the name because they had a nirguna, saguna conception of the name. They thought the name was a powerful manifestation of divinity in the sattva guna, and if you took advantage of it, you could enter into monistic ultimate reality. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, this name is nirguna. Hmm? Nirguna means without qualities. But it means without any material qualities. It must mean that, because while Bhagavan is described as nirguna, the scriptures are full of descriptions of his transcendental qualities, especially the Bhagavatam. The Bhagavatam is, is, is focused on the emotional life of the Absolute. Hmm? And it, it, that emotional life cannot be the same as an emotional life arising from the influence of material nature. We'll go into that this evening. So, when he's described as nirguna, it, therefore it's understood in a secondary way to mean means without any material, or yeah, without that he ha- has no material qualities. Not that he has no spiritual qualities. Hmm? So, the, the, therefore, nama shreshtam apisachiputram Raghunadas prayed. Oh, he offered obeisances to his guru, who was given. He said, "Me the name." 
and the highest conception of the name, which was given by the son of Sachi, that he carried, what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave to the world. His appearance was heralded by the chanting of the names unknowingly, even of their significance, to counteract the evil influence of the, we're not chanting for that, <laughs> of, the, of, the, of the solar eclipse, lunar eclipse, but, uh, but nonetheless, uh, his appearance was heralded by the chanting, and then he came to set us straight on what is the implications of the chanting, what is the, what is the philosophy, theology that underlies the chanting. And as I said, um, he also personally told us what to chant. There's a couple of references to this worth mentioning in Chaitanya Bhagwat, where um, this is the the narrative of Chaitanya Lila, and um, that that intertwined with his teachings, the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that, that Krishnas Kaviraj, the author of Chaitanya Charitamrita, defers to repeatedly, repeatedly in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Hmm. In much regard for Vrindavan Das and his, his contribution, which was the book that all the Gaudias were relishing uh, with regard to the Leelas of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And uh, at a certain point, Krishnadas and Vrindavan was asked to write something more, having had uh, uh, something about the later pastimes, primarily the Madhya Lila of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which is shows the way hmm, uh, that wasn't developed in the same detail in Chaitanya Bhagavat. Hmm. But the way in the, of the teaching began in, in Navadvipa, and it was there that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told his disciples to chant this Mahamantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. He called it the Mahamantra. We call it the Mahamantra because he called it the Mahamantra. Hmm? If you wonder where that comes from. Hmm? It comes directly from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He told Tapan Mishra, I told a story a little bit about how he was in, Bengal, in Banares and chanting and dancing and the Mayavadis there took exception to it and then he converted them all ultimately. Well, he, it was at uh, Tapan Mishra's, Chandra, Chandrasekhar's house. He was staying in Ch- Tapan Mishra. He was taking his meals with, at Tapan Mishra's house. These were two devotees of his living in Bengal, living in Banaris. Uh, Tapan Mishra, by his own arrangement, he didn't know why. He sent me to Banaris, but later it became revealed. He needed a, he needed a place to stay when he went there, and he wanted to stay with devotees. <laughs> So Tapan Mishra was a, was a Brahmin and he was wondering the, how to attain the goal of life. And he was studying the scriptures and there were just so many different statements. So it was like a jungle of sounds to use Sridhar Marsh's um, phraseology. Has sorted all out. Scriptures are, are really require someone to explain them. It's, it's super essential. What is uh, said? What, what, what is the truth? What are the white lies of the scripture? Hmm? Just like mother might say, hmm, here, take this medicine. I don't want to take medicine. So then she says, okay, close your eyes and I'll give you a ladu, a sweet. And then she closes his eyes and she puts the medicine in the mouth. Close it. So scripture has lies like that. <laughs> uh, so, I've, we've said, we've reasoned, and others have as well, that sometimes um, 
that uh, Prabhupada invoked strategies to tell partial truths, to keep the the the, the, the train rolling, as he, he used to say, and couldn't tell everything to everybody all at once, be more than they could digest. If I tell too much at once, it'd be maybe more than you can digest, and then you, you cannot continue. So this is the art of preaching, and everybody has that experience. Hmm? If you go out to, the, to buy something in the shop, and you're wearing your neck beat, and somebody says, hey, those are cool, what are those? And you go, okay, where do I start? You know, What are those? They're Tulsi beads, and they come. they're very dear to Krishna. <laughs> you know. And we worship her every day. It's probably not where you would start, you know. I got them from my guru, you know. <laughs> They're sacred. You know. <laughs> Say something. It's, it's not the whole thing. It's part, and uh, you know, you make it easy for them and uh, and, and for yourself too. <laughs> so, uh, it is with trying to explain this to everybody, it, it requires some thinking and what you'll say and what you'll not say and so forth. And so. There are statements where Prabhupada says, yes, you must have fallen from the spiritual world. Couldn't be Krishna's fault. It must be your fault. Another place where he says, no one falls from there. And so, some people are confused about that. And obviously they're contradictory. One of the statements that he made, you don't fall from there, is supported by the scripture and the lineage and all lineages of Vedanta. And when he says he did fall, then that's not supported. So we think, oh, he must have had some reason for saying that to individuals at certain times and, and, and so forth. So kind of a, a, a strategy, if you will, a kind of a preaching strategy. Some persons take exception to this idea of a preaching strategy, but there's preaching strategies in the scripture themselves. The whole Karmakanda section is a preaching strategy. The scriptures are about taking us to Bhagwan. But there are sections of the scriptures that talk about how to get material gain and so on and so forth and and in, 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 in a sense, they're, they're trying to help us to develop faith in the scriptures themselves so that we look more deeply within them. So if you look and say, you do, it says, do this sacrifice on this day at this time, facing this direction, and you'll get a good son. So you do it, you get a good son. You develop faith in the scriptures. Hmm? Um, the scriptures aren't about getting a good son. And that's, that's not like, so there are people who then... You have their whole section of karma mimams. They think this is what the Vedas are all about. All these type of things about material gain and so forth. And the Upanishads, just some small section, sit over there. You know, it wasn't the big section. Krishna says, "Try guni bishayabed and is try guni bavarjuna." Says mostly the Vedas are all about material life. Try guni bishayabed. They're all about bisha, about enjoying material life. The, the, the Three parts out of four, so to speak. Mm-hmm. About the modes of nature they're about. Mm-hmm. But that's not what they're really about. But they're about that for people who can't digest something more, bring them within the fold and tell them something. and then they'll, But they may, without good guidance, of course, they take something and then they're in opposition to something that will be the progressive stage that they'll come to in due course and that creates problems. So you need... You need guidance to sort all this out. Hmm. Um, I don't know how we got there exactly, but uh, uh, a little bit of a side. But uh, but uh, hmm? you can't tell everything at once, right? Um, hmm. 
Tapan Mishra. So he was studying the Vedas, the scriptures, and he was kind of sort of like, you know, this says over here this. This seems to say the opposite over here. And, and, and so he prayed, went to bed at night. He prayed that, that he could understand the goal of life and how to attain it, which you're supposed to draw from the sacred text. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared in a dream to him mm-hmm. and, and, and told him to chant the Maha Mantra. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. And the next day, he met Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he could understand. He appeared in my dream, here he is. Hmm? So, this is an instance in which Mahaprabhu specifically told to chant this mantra. This, and he called it the Maha Mantra, these 16, hmm? like Upanishad said, and so forth. Hmm? There are a number of incidences like this as I say, in Chaitanya Bhagavat, where the Maha Mantra is, is identified as such, comes from the mouth of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and he specifically told his disciples to chant it. So this is why we follow. And he said, of course, that by chanting this mantra, then the sprout of love of God will come. Hmm? There's talk today in the Gaudiya community about the necessity of adding things to your practice besides chanting. You've got to get into Raghunuga Bhakti, they say, for example. You've got to get into it, because if you don't, everything will be lost. Raghunuga Bhakti is not motivated by fear <laughs> or uh, some problem. It's motivated by a taste, something positive for Krishna. We, we are practitioners, practitioners of Rag Bhakti. This is our goal. Vrindavan is the Rag Marg. Hmm? Mm-hmm. But, um, and Smaranam, Meditation is central to the practice of Rag Bhakti. But while only Shraddha is necessary for traversing the path of Bhakti, something further is required for meditating. You can't meditate very well without a clean heart. Chanting is meant to clean the heart. As the heart becomes cleansed, hmm, one becomes more qualified for internal life and culture, meditative life. So, in the in a powerful statement of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, who sat and chanted a billion, I think it was a billion names, it took him nine years, I think it was. Um, I have to do the math. But, um, long time. Long, long time. Nine years, I think it was, in, in, in solitary bhajan. He got up and he said, Kirtana Prabhave Smarana Svabhave, among other things. He said, Vaishnav K, this is his poem, Vaishnav K, what kind of, who are you? What kind of Vaishnav are you? Hmm? He said, you sit as if you're Haridas Thakur chanting, hmm? but your mind will just go in different directions. And, hmm? and pretense of you're doing smaranam and so forth. This is a high thing. Hmm? He said, kirtan the prabhavi smaranam By doing kirtan hmm, of, of the name, then meditation will come about naturally. Hmm? There's a place for meditation, following the associates of, of Krishna Leela and so on and so forth, and all that's involved in Rag Bhakti. But his idea was the eligibility to meaningfully, meaningfully participate in Smarnam would arise out of the chanting. Hmm? So it's good for people to know the theory. It's important, and we emphasize it. Hmm? Um, but not in the way to say, oh, you better get going with your Leela Smarnam or you're going to miss out. All you're doing is chanting? 
There's more to it than that. There is more in one sense, but the chanting will qualify you for the more, and the more will come as a result of the chanting. What do you think will be the result if you just chant Hare Krishna? That you won't get love of God? Hmm? And, and what kind of chanting Hare Krishna? The chanting of Hare Krishna that comes from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Nama Shrestam Api Satchiputram Atrasarupam As Goswami said, I got the best, the, the Nam Shrestam, the highest, Shrestam means like highest uh, conception of the name. Hmm? Parakanam. Hmm? Hmm? It, it has the ability to, to awaken or, or to cause the manifestation within us of the kind of love of God that will overwhelm Bhagwan in Braj. Hmm? So the name is, uh, we, we, should, we should not be confused by this kind of misunderstanding. Hmm? Oh, you better hurry up and do something else. It's just chanting, that's all. Once I was sitting with Pramod Puri Goswami Maharaj and I was bringing up this kind of point, he chuckled, he said, he said, Baba, and he was over 100 at the time, years old, he said, Baba, he said, he said, if you, if you cannot chant, what did he say, Shudhanam, hmm? the pure name, hmm? uh, then there's no question of, of, of bhava. Hmm? So it was a very simple statement, it was very profound. Hmm? So if one is focused on chanting the pure name, hmm? then one's doing the right thing. And naturally, an eligibility, further eligibility, to implement as part of one's practice aspects of Raghunuga Bhakti will will manifest within one in due course. Hmm? And this is the emphasis of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsri Thakur. He was a, and it, it's it's uh, it's certainly confirmed by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself. Hmm? So we are going to give the initiation of this chanting of the Maha Mantra. I want to say a few words about it, its importance and so forth. Um, and some history, where it's coming from. Um, what is the time now? Okay. Um, Mahaprabhu, when he told his, his students to chant the Maha Mantra, he said, you should chant according to your prescribed number of rounds. He was referring to Japa here. This is a kind of smarnam, by the way. Nam smarnam, Jiva Goswami taught. From Nam smarnam will come Rupa smarnam, Guna smarnam, Lila smarnam. Because why? The, the Rupa form, the Guna, the qualities, the Lila, the pastimes of Krishna, they must be in Krishna Nam if Krishna Nam is not different from Krishna. So to, the idea is to mine everything that's present in the name. How you do that, but by attentive uh, chanting. Hmm? And one of the aspects of attentive chanting then is to have a fixed number of rounds that you chant. This is this is kind of a, a vow hmm? that uh, is the mood behind the first aspect of Sharanagati, surrender. Hmm? Um, that I make a, make a commitment, accepting what's favorable, rejecting what's unfavorable. So regardless of what's going on then we make a commitment of a prescribed number of rounds and we follow that. And Prabhupada writes in his, in his Nectar of Devotion that um, 
with regard to Rupa Goswami's description of the limbs of bhakti, there's one limb I think one should not uh, over-endeavor, one should not uh, undertake things that are beyond one's capacity. So it depends on anybody's capacity. People's capacity are different. Uh, but um, um, he applies it there. Um, I believe it's this song, but he applies it there in relation to the chanting. He gives an example. So one should chant a prescribed number of rounds and um, one should make a commitment that one can follow. Otherwise, it's counterproductive. Hmm? So there's some dynamism of that. He himself decided that all of his students should chant 16 rounds, but first he told them to chant 64. And they said, we can't follow that. Uh, he said, well, then 32. And I said, I don't know about that either. 16. So he settled for that, and then he tried to keep it, keep it there. Hmm. But in principle, then this is something that's adjustable according to time and circumstance. So what I have adjusted in this way is the, the vow, the commitment will come from you. Hmm. And then uh, agree or disagree, and if we agree, then we, we expect it to do that. And then, in, in, as as taste comes and and uh, commitment comes and so forth, uh, to increase. Hmm. Um, so, I will ask each of you to tell me how many times on your beads you're going to chant. I will give you the beads, and there are other aspects of the uh, initiation that we follow here. You know, I think, um, Kishore, if you run up into my room um, next to the sink, you'll, you'll find a tilak tray there. I think, I think there's a stamp there. This is, uh, the stamp is, is, is our form of the tapa. So the, the ingredients here, elements of the initiation include pundra, tapa, yagya, Nam and Mantra. Hmm? I got them all <laughs> one, one try. Uh, uh, Pundra means the tilak. Hmm? Udva Pundra means the Vaishnava tilak that goes straight up and down, not like this yeah, shy by tilak. And um, this is, of course, the what, clay from a sacred place like Vrindavan or Dwarka, and, and the devotees mark there. Heads with the ground. Hmm? Yeah, it's kind of like the footprint of Krishna. So, Pundra, Udva Pundra. Then, um, um, what is that one called? Tapa. Tapa. Tapa means, Tapa is the sound, the two syllables that Brahma heard at the dawn of creation. It means sacrifice. It means knowledge. It means knowledge comes from sacrifice. It means like I often say, go within or go without. That's where the real knowledge is found. Tapa. It means also like heat. Tapa. Or light. Knowledge is compared to light and so forth. But with regard to sacrifice, ultimately bhakti itself is the ultimate sacrifice or the love that's born from the womb of sacrifice. So, in some traditions, as you may know, like other Vaishnava Sampradayas, like the Sri Sampradaya of Ramanuja, the tapa is at the time of initiation, they brand the disciples' body with like the symbols of Vishnu, like the chakra, the conch, and so forth. I mean, so their body is... I've seen people with tattoos around the neck with 
names of Vishnu and so forth. It forms a tapa. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's school is um, is so much an emphasis on positive and the, the easy practice of chanting, the tapa, the in a broader sense, the austerity of uh, our sampradaya is to observe Lukadasi, hmm? to observe Janmastami, to observe Gorpurnim. Has it been difficult? <laughs> you know, we turn it into a, into a, into a festival. So, you got a question? In a in a, in a minute, we're we're doing it. We're talking about it right now. We're explaining the, in, the procedures. So we're going to brand him first. You know, branding means you take a iron, something iron, and you have like a design on it, like Krishna, and then you take the iron and you put it in the fire, and it becomes really hot, and then you take it and you burn it, and the name is burned on your body. That's tapa. You going to stay for that part? <laughs> but, no. <laughs> but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he is very generous in Kali Yuga, and so he... He, he, his, in his sampradaya, we, we, we take a, we write the name of Krishna with this tilak. That's better, huh? Yeah, okay. <laughs> approved, huh? We got your approved. We stay for that part. So Pundra, Tapa, we do those two things. And then, um, and then Yogya, well, you're entering in now the, the, the Yogya of, of Namsan Kirtan, officially. And the mantra is in this case, the Nam Mantra, Maha Mantra. Later date, as you become more qualified, I will give you the also the uh, the um, Diksha Mantra, which is in the, the dative case, the Maha Mantra. Oh, that's not what I was looking for. That was the only thing there. There wasn't a little square one. No. Okay. Um, dative case. Dative case means like two Govinda, two, two. Uh, Gopinath to Krishna giving oneself. Mm. Uh, so I give myself to Krishna. So Krishnaya, mm. Govindaya is in the dative case. But the Maha Mantra it, it is in the vocative case. So it's like an exclamation Hari! Krishna! Mm. So um, uh, the Nam Mantra is different in this way. And because of its difference, one of the aspects of it, the chanting, is it can be done anywhere, anytime, in any place. The date of the mantras of Krishna Nam, for example, in dative case, they have time, number of, of times to be chanted, prescribed, direction to face, whatnot, and so forth. It's, they're used in the deity worship and so forth. So the Krishna Nam can be done even when you're sleeping. Hmm? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was a little concerned because this Krishna Nam was vibrating on his tongue and he couldn't stop it. Hmm? And then when he went to bathe, typically when you go to bathe and you're in a dirty condition, it's not the time to do your meditation. But his tongue would not stop chanting. So he thought, I must be making offense. But Gopal Guru, one of his, his associates, said, no, don't think like that. <laughs> the name is can be chanted anyway. So Mahaprabhu would... would Take from, he would inspire his students, and then the teaching would come back, even to him, and so forth. And so, 
even in sleeping, uh, dreaming, even while you can sing in the shower, Krishna Nam. Hmm? So, and part of that is because it's the Mahamantra is in the vocative case. So, um, so we went through the, uh, the Pundra, Tapa, Yajna, Mantra, and Nam. So, I'll give you a name also. We have the family name, Das, and then, you know, the surname, and then the first, first name as well. So, okay, come. You're here. Okay. Now, typically, the tilak is applied in twelve places. You can learn that from from Gurunishta. And there's also mantra for putting them on. I should should learn that. I'll put on you. For riding on. <laughs> okay, look up. Very good. So that's the Pundra and Tapa, and uh, where's. Oh, yes. Here we go. We have some beads also. The Tulsi bead, where it's called Kanti Mala or neck bead. Again, these are protective by way of when you wear them, people ask, what are those beads? And you get to talk about them and remember who you are. Good, good, good. So, top of mantra. Then, let me give you this. This is a bead bag. You know how to use the bead bag? One finger, I would chant with the middle finger and the thumb. This is taught in Hari Bhakti Vilas, the Goswamis. And then, now, so how many rounds will you chant every day? Four. Okay, that's a start, okay? Okay, so you start with the big bead here. Thumb in the middle finger, Hari Krishna, Hari Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari 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 Ram, Hari Ram, Ram Ram, Hari Hari. So I chanted on these beads. Hmm. Okay, so come, give me the right ear. Om. Hari 
Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Okay, your name is Gaur Gobinda Das. Govinda is, of course, a prominent name for Krishna. Even the Buddha was called Govinda, I think, before he became the Buddha. <laughs> and the Gaur Govinda means Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is Krishna, Govinda, appearing as Gaur, Gaur Govinda. It's a very beautiful name. Gaur Govinda Das, Kijai. Okay, come. Okay, your dad's going to get initiated now. <laughs> okay. T-lock. Om Keshavaya Namaha. And Shna, Krishna. Very good. Okay. And neck beads for you. They will be prominently displayed. <laughs> this is good. So you chant. Okay, very good, very good. All right. So come, give me your ear. Om Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Okay, your name is Madhavadas. Madhavadas. Madhava. Madhava means the springtime, and that's Krishna says identified himself with the month, with the season of the spring. And um, it's a beautiful name for Krishna. It also is a name of Krishna in which Radha and Krishna are both present. Ma means also Lakshmi, and Radha is the principal Lakshmi. And Dava Madhava means husband of Lakshmi. So Radha and Krishna's name are both there. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Radha and Krishna. Combined, so you have a nice name on Gorpur name. Manavadaski hmm? Jai. So, 
We ask all the devotees, uh, all the Vaishnavas, Vaishnavis, to bless them, pray for one few seconds here, that they may progress nicely in Krishna Bhakti. Okay, make a prayer.